Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our study in the 11th chapter of the book of Mark, verses 12 through 18. After all of the anticipation and the fear the disciples were experiencing because Jesus told them he would die in Jerusalem, and then there was the triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we looked at last week, things were pretty calm. Jesus entered the temple, looked around, and left back for Bethany. Maybe the disciples sighed a huge sigh of relief, thinking perhaps things wouldn't go so badly after all. Well, the next day they came back to Jerusalem, entered the temple again, and Jesus probably horrified the disciples with what he did next. Pastor Jim will take it from here. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Jesus's Spring Cleaning. Fig trees, when they do produce, they sprout the fruit and the leaf at the same time. So when you see a fig tree with leaves on it, it should be a fig tree with figs on it. Now, the young figs, I understand, I've, I've never you know, had a ministry to young figs, so I don't know, but I'm told you can eat them. They, they taste like figs. But the actual ripening, they, they would come on in the spring, the actual ripened figs would be harvested in August, September. This would have been spring, so it would have been much earlier. So you would come and you would normally expect it to have figs if it has leaves. Jesus saw no figs. Here's a hint. He was not surprised. All right? But notice if you flip over to Matthew chapter 21, in his description of this, Matthew makes a point of the fact that at once the fig tree withered. And seeing this, the disciples marveled, how did the fig tree wither at once? You ever had a tree die? It's a slow process. And they don't just go from leafy green to shriveled brown. This one did instantly. It was a live leafy green tree, and then it was ready to be burned. And that happened in the blink of an eye. Now, here we have a good illustration of a couple of things. One, and I'll just give you a hint, the fig tree is a picture of what was going to happen to the temple. It was a prophecy, if you will, in the version of that, picture, of that fig tree. This is also a good illustration of the fact that the writers of the four Gospels are not merely stenographers taking dictation of what happened in the life of Jesus. Each gospel is an independent record of what happened. They are each composed by a unique author with a unique perspective, and each one guided uniquely by the Holy Spirit to write in the way that best suited His perspective and His purpose. In this case, Mark preserves the chronological sequence. Um, From Mark, we learned he cursed the tree one morning and then taught about it the next morning. Um, 
Jesus and the disciples, after the tree was cursed, they went on into Jerusalem. They were rather astounded by the tree withering immediately, but they went on to, into Jerusalem. Um, a busy day unfolded. Jesus cleared the temple. We're going to see that in a, in a few minutes in Mark. Then he spent some time dealing with visitors from Greece. The temple was always meant to be for all the nations. There were some believers from Greece who were there. He dealt with them. He uh, gave a discourse that day on true faith and phony faith. Then the day ended and Jesus and the men returned to Bethany. Next morning, on the way back, Peter makes a remark about the fig tree that was cursed 24 hours early and then earlier, and then comes the lesson, which we'll see next time. Now, to a skeptic, to somebody who's looking for reasons to reject the Word of God, this is clearly a case of a contradiction in the Bible, so they would say. It's not a contradiction. To an honest student, it's not only not contradictory, it's actually pretty interesting to see the perspectives. Mark puts it in sequence. Matthew dealt with them in a different way, by topic rather than by chronology. So Matthew's original target audience caused him to focus differently than did Mark. Matthew wrote for Jews, Mark wrote for Romans. I don't know exactly how that plays into why they organize these differently, but the point is legitimate two different perspectives. I thought about maybe a way to illustrate that to you. Suppose there was a car crash. Uh, A policeman shows up. There's wreckage. There's injuries. And he wasn't there to see it. He has to see if there are any witnesses, any fines two eyewitnesses who stopped. He goes and gets their story. Witness number one, a young mom, she says to the officer, I was on my way to my daughter's recital at about 4.45 p.m. and I was on Main Street. I was headed west and I know I was going 35 miles an hour. I saw the blue van coming the other way slam on its brakes, but the driver was unable to stop and she broadsided that pickup truck with the two young men in it. Officer, if the van hadn't hit the truck, that truck would have hit me. Officer, I'm sure the light was green for our street and red for 6th Street, and I know there's serious injuries. I, I hope everyone is okay. I'm just thankful that I and my kids weren't hurt. Then he goes to witness number two, asks him what happened. And this guy says, Well, I followed those two drunk yahoos in that junky old pickup for about a half mile. They were swerving all over the road. They each threw out an empty beer can out the window about a a block before they got to Main Street. I slowed for the red light, and that idiot drunk driver went right through and got splattered by that van. That's what happened. Now, are those different perspectives? Yes. Do they contradict? Not at all. Now, thankfully, the second guy didn't write any of the Gospels. But each one gives details that the other one doesn't. 
Each has a perspective, and each reflects the personality of the author. And if you only had one and you were the investigating officer, you wouldn't have nearly as much evidence as you had uh, from the two of them together. Well, that's what we have here. Matthew zeroes in on what is especially important for his readers. Mark's perspective more carefully gives the chronological details. Neither one is wrong. Now, let's take a look at this and see what it's all about, and then we'll have to come back to this next Lord's Day. Notice it says, when they left Bethany, he became hungry. Probably Jesus got up early that morning. We don't have anything in the text that tells us that he did, but we know that that was his habit. He likely had gone out alone to pray. Maybe he wasn't around for breakfast served by Mary and Martha, or maybe he was just especially hungry that day. It was okay in Israel, even by the law of Moses, to uh, pluck from a tree pluck a fig from a tree as you passed by. So Jesus was looking for a snack. Now, it was early April. It was not the time of the fig harvest. That's what it means when it was not the season for figs. And especially at that elevation in Jerusalem, it was was apparently kind of surprising to see a fig tree fully leafed out. Nevertheless, It looked healthy, and you'd think there would be figs on it. You would expect that if a tree produced leaves early, it also produced fruit early, but that wasn't the case. Why? Because Jesus had prepared that tree specifically to not have any figs. Doesn't find any, so he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, and instantly... All the leaves are brown, and the sky is gray, and they went for a walk. Oh, no, 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 that's, that was another thing. The tree's instantly dead from the root to the tips of every single leaf. Now, there's a couple of things going on here. Obviously, it's miraculous. By the way, this is the only destructive miracle in the Gospels. Only time Jesus destroyed something miraculously. Now, he meant for it to symbolize something. And as it's placed in the text, when we put together what we're going to look at this, in this text and the, the following text, you'll see how it all fits together. He meant for the immediate destruction of the fig tree to be a lesson for the disciples on another subject. And he was going to teach them on that other subject the next morning, but he was also going to connect it to what he was about to do in the temple. Now, what about the fig tree and its symbolism? Fig trees are common in Israel. They were very important in uh, the time of Jesus to the lifestyle and the whole economy of Israel. Fig trees were valuable. They were prized both for the fruit that they bore and the shade that they gave. Even before Israel entered the land, when God was promising it to them and telling them what they were going to receive, He said things like Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8. He said, It is a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees 
and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. So from the start, the fig tree was one of the promised blessings of the land that God gave to Israel. There's a wonderful promise of the blessings that God says will come to Israel. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.